0: Welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is an announcement before we get to the reg- regularly scheduled episode. So just a little update. You might be wondering, Emma, you haven't updated your feed in a few weeks, and you would be right. Basically, this is just me providing an update as to what's going on. No, it's not like a hiatus like it was in the spring slash summer where I was gone for quite a few months. I uh, went on vacation. I don't know if it's vacation, but I went home to visit my family for a week. And when I got back, I was at the airport. I was throwing my suitcase in my roommate's car, and I hit my head on the trunk, and I got a concussion. Very sad. making a sad face over here. Um, So I haven't been able to really edit anything because I'm severely cutting down on my screen time, limiting it basically to work. And my fashion game that I like to play on my phone because there's time challenges and I'm not about to lose. But anyways, so because of that, I haven't edited any episodes since I got that concussion about two weeks ago at this point. And I also haven't been reading a lot, so there hasn't been much for me to do here with all of this going on. So I just wanted to provide you with that little update um, before you get into the normal episode that will play after this. Once I am doing better you will hear this and things will get back on track. So without further ado I think this episode you're about to hear is the Kingdom of the Cursed episode which I had fun with because I was bamboozled. Hello and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books Today, I will be talking about Kingdom of the Curse by Carrie Maniscalco, which is the second book in her trilogy. I don't know what the name of the trilogy is. They all start with Kingdom of the, so basically, it's the second book. If you haven't listened to my episode on the first book, Kingdom of the Wicked, go check it out. It was really fun. It was good. I loved the first book. I talked about how it was such a good YA fantasy. It was everything that I wanted a YA fantasy to be. Which brings me to point number one about this episode. As you can see from the title, I'm not sure exactly what it'll be titled, but basically the idea is that this book fooled me. And it fooled me in two ways. And the first way is that it is no longer a YA book. And that is leading me to my content warning. Just generally that there is um, lots of sexual content in this book. They do not have intercourse and that is part of the plot. However, the steam level is really ramping up going from zero to 100 from book one to book two. So if you are somebody who doesn't like that, then you should maybe not continue on in the series. But I was fooled. I was shocked. I'm um, pretty much from like the third or fourth chapter. You kind of see where that direction is going and it is Wildly different than the first book, but I wasn't mad at it. And I will talk about all of that in the discussion section, along with plot point number two that fooled me. But I just kind of wanted to talk about that here at the beginning, just so that people know that there was a change, there was a switch up, and I was kind of like, what? But I wasn't mad about it. So this is book two in a series. And in the first book, we have Amelia's twin sister. She's a witch. Her twin sister is murdered in the first book, and she ends up summoning Wrath, one of the seven demon princes of hell, and he, she kind of teams up with him, and they're trying to investigate who killed her sister, and then now it's a little bit spoilery spoilery for book one, so again, I guess I'll just issue this here. If you don't want Kingdom of the Wicked and Kingdom of the Curse specifically to be spoiled, stop here, go read the books. I would recommend them. I'm having such a fun time. And then um, come back and listen to these episodes. So basically what happens in book one is that they're trying to investigate what's going on. The gates of hell have been opened. Um, and we find out that's because of uh, Amelia and Vittoria have some sort of prophecy surrounding them. And when they were born, these gates open. And the only way to close them is to have the horns of Hades. The two devil horns. I don't know what they're called. Um, and that for the... Uh, demon for the devil to have them and then they can um close the gates and also pride who is the king of hell needs a witch wife to also counteract some sort of curse So anyways, um, they're investigating what's going on in this first book and then at the end Amelia ends up signing her soul to Pride and is going to go to marry him and this is the part that I was skeptical about going to the second book of if there was going to be a love triangle between her, Wrath, and Pride and I was not looking forward to that if that were to happen and at the end she's like mad at Wrath based on his like kind of 180 personality switch and we'll talk about all that. So that leads me into the plot summary of what's going on in book two. Book two all takes place in hell which is cold instead of you know normally when you think about hell it's like fire and brimstone and it's hot. No this hell is cold and the more powerful the demon prince is his like kingdom is colder. So you know that's important plot that's some foreshadowing for you know what's going on in this book. So, basically, Wrath is taking her to hell, and they have to go through this area called the Sin Quarter, which basically tests you for all seven sins and then helps align you with which house you should align yourself with. Obviously, Amelia is most well-suited to Wrath. That is her primary sin, as is mine. If you didn't know that, then you didn't listen to the other episodes. So, shame on you. What are you doing? You need to listen to that one first. But anyways... What's your seven deadly sin that you align with? Let me know. Let me know in the comments, I say, as if there's comments on a podcast. But just let me know. Anyways, so, and then during that, she's tested for lust. And she's having this dream. But in the dream, she is trying to have sex with wrath, basically, basically, sorry, I don't know what's going on. And he wakes her up. And he says, oh, so I guess you don't hate me. And she's like, oh, just take me to my husband. Throughout the first part of the book, she keeps being like, take me to my husband, Pride. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. Because apparently he lets Pride know that she's here. And she's like, well... Why can't you just take me to him? And he says, you have to be invited. If you're, like, a high-ranking member of a demon house, you have to be invited to the other one. So he can't just go visit his brothers out of the blue. He has to be, like, invited or said he, yes, he can come. So he can't bring her until Pride summons her, basically. And he, like, does not summon her. We're like, what is going on? He knows she's here, and he has, like, no desire, basically, to see her. So it's kind of fishy. So these first 100 pages is when we're thinking maybe there is going to be a love triangle. We don't know exactly what's going on. Um, Amelia and Rath are kind of butting heads because, you know, she's still mad at him, and she thinks she needs to marry Pride. So basically, she's decided she's going to come here. She's going to marry Pride, but she's definitely not staying in hell. She's going to find out who killed her sister and she's going home. So she's going to do what she has to do to try and get at the secrets of each of the demon princes to figure out which one did it. At the end of the first book, we thought it was Envy, but then she like shows up and it's like, wait, no, it's not Envy. To be honest, these two books so far have been low-key confusing, but I'm along for the ride. And even though I forget the plot points, I'm having fun. I finished this book about a week ago, maybe a little bit over a week ago. So the finer points of all the plot is kind of um, not there for me. And another thing about this book is that it wasn't like a lot of there was like a lot of plot, but there wasn't really a plot and that the overarching plot is like she's trying to figure out who killed her sister, except really the overarching plot is will she or won't she marry Wrath? And then because, you know, they were engaged from the first book from her summoning spell and then also setting a lot of clues for what's going to happen in the third book so this kind of fell into the bridge book area of a trilogy and I need to not talk about it here save it for the discussion section but I will talk about that more and it actually didn't bother me but there's not, like, a lot of plot going on in this book, even though there's a lot going on. I don't know if that makes any sense. So, basically, Amelia starts receiving these, she gets two different skulls that are animated to talk in her sister's voice that are telling her kind of, like, riddles or prophecies. The first one is saying, like, past, present, future, find, like, stuff like that. So, she's trying to figure out, like, what she's trying to look for later. I'm just going to, like, skip a little bit to tell you what connects to this later she goes to visit envy and he ends up telling her about this triple moon mirror with like some sort of key and if you have the key in the mirror you're able to see the past present and future and so she's trying to figure out where that is because she thinks i could see the past and see who killed my sister basically is what she's trying to figure out there she also while she is hanging out in pride's castle is a Having these flashbacks that kind of happen throughout the book, almost like deja vu moments where she's remembering things or being like, I just can envision this, even though I haven't been here before. So throughout the book, she's trying to figure out, like, do I have locked away memories? Am I reborn? At one point, she thinks maybe she's the first witch, basically like the the mother of all the witches. We later find out that she is not the first witch, but like there must be some sort of reincarnation or, like, she definitely has memories that are locked away that she cannot access. So that would have only happened if there was, like, a previous life or she had, her soul was in another body and then put in this body of Amelia as a baby. I don't know. But we're trying to figure out what's going on with that. I think that's really going to come out in Book 3, Kingdom of the Feared. But we don't exactly know what's going on in Book 2. And then other things that are going on is she's introduced to Wrath's Court... And he basically is like, everybody better be nice to her. Otherwise, I'll kill you. Some man is leering at her and he literally cuts out that guy's tongue. So, well, he's like, why don't you suck my dick, basically. And Wrath is like, uh, and then, you know, cuts his tongue out. Anyways, we end up finding out about 150 pages into the book, which this is where my enjoyment went from, like, I was nervous and anxious about a love triangle to like, all right, I'm in on it. That Amelia actually is not engaged to Pride. She's still engaged to Wrath. And so that's why Pride is not summoning her because he doesn't have any intention of marrying her. He, Amelia is basically supposed to marry Pride, not Pride, Wrath still. And so I was like, hell yeah. And during this time, I'm also like, right before that, I was kind of like, there's no way Wrath is going to let her marry Pride. Like, I don't know what's going on, like things like that. But it turns out she's still engaged to wrath and that in order for them to get married they have to do two things first have sexual intercourse because you know they do some other stuff prior to her finding this out you know there's some like third base action but um they never make it to fourth base they never make it home but anyways so she ends up finding this out and she's so mad because she got lied to but anyways they have to have sexual intercourse and then there's some sort of ceremony and she's super attracted to wrath but basically because of the binding spell um, that they're engaged the magic's like trying to get them to like consummate their marriage basically but it in the first book wrath like marks her and whenever he touches that it counteracts that magic so he wants her to choose him for real not because other people are forcing her into this choice and not because of like the magic emotional co- side but because she wants him basically and then there's two other things that are going on one is that every year they have this festival It's the Feast of the Wolf or something like that. And there's a Guest of Honor, and the Guest of Honor has a secret ripped from their chest. Or their biggest secret or their biggest fear is, like, ripped from their chest for everybody to hear. And Amelia is chosen as the Guest of Honor, basically, because she's the most interesting new person. And that later takes place in um, House Gluttony, who we meet for the first time. We still haven't met Sloth, but we've met all seven of all of the other demon princes at this point. But anyway, so wrath and his um servant anir i believe his name was um they start training her wrath is trying to train her to counteract the magic of her brothers trying to influence her to do things so that she can stay sharp and you know sometimes that turns a little mm, sexual but whatever so that's going on and then the other thing i said there was two things that were going on Hmm, let me pause and remember I don't know what the other thing is. So she does training so that she can kind of counteract that. And then when she finds out that pri- or that wrath has lied to her, she goes to visit envy, which I talked about. And she's trying to figure out things about her sister learns about that comes back is trying to figure out there's this um at one point she gets poisoned or something like that. And wrath like takes her to this poison lady to like help her out. So she doesn't die. And Amelia at one point thinks that maybe she's the first witch. So she's trying to look into her trying to figure that out. They end up going to um, the Feast of the Wolf. I'm definitely skipping over some stuff, but you get the gist of it. So they show up there, and she meets some of the other princes. She finally meets Pride. Pride kind of propositions her, but she's mostly using him to try and get information to figure things out. At the feast, we end up figuring out that, guess what? Wrath is not just a prince. He's actually the king. He is the devil. He is the number one, but he lets pride kind of, like, have the mantle, but he does all the work, if that makes sense, which is not that surprising because during the book, there was, like, a good portion where I thought maybe Wrath was actually pride, but then I was like, well, it doesn't make sense because he's definitely the sin Wrath, but I was like, but he's the, he, it feels like there's going to be a switcheroo that he's the king, and then that is what ended up happening. Okay, wait. Also, one other thing before I get further into the feast in the end of the book. There's like this mysterious statue with some girl like crying and we're like, who is that? Also, two other things. When Amelia visits Envy, she steals back the um, one of the grimoires that Envy took from her during the first book and then Envy steals her magic in return. So at that point, she doesn't have magic for the second half of the book and she doesn't tell Rash, She doesn't tell anybody about that. And then also Antonio is in the dungeons and she visits him at one point and wants to kill him. But Wrath is like, no. And Amelia realizes that while Wrath is her sin of choice, she does not want to be a murderer. That happens in the second book. So anyways, we're back to the feast. You know, she learns that stuff. Then it's time for the ceremony and Rath steps up and is like, I will take her place. And she's like, no. Ooh, my thing just paused. That was weird. She's like, no, you can't take my place. And then one of the either greed or pride, maybe gluttony, somebody ends up suggesting, well, why don't you just consummate your marriage and basically have some sex and then we'll call it even. Nobody has to give out a fear, which is kind of a cop out for the reader, but also I was there for it. So basically they go. And at one point, Amelia like accidentally earlier in the day, she had like ridden a horse, which she's like, I don't know how to ride a horse, but all of a sudden she knows how to ride a horse. So another locked memory and she finds this flower that basically can um, knock somebody out. And it's Pride has a whole field full of them. And so she basically negotiates with Pride that she won't tell Wrath about the flowers. But she gets to ride through his kingdom, like, without anybody knowing twice. Um, and he can't be mad at her for it. So whatever. So she ends up, like... They don't go all the way, but they do some stuff, her and Wrath. And then she knocks him out and Wrath sh- is, like, betrayed and devastated. And she rides and she, once she saw Envy, learned about this tree. And if you carve somebody's true name into the tree, you can, like, learn a secret or curse them or something like that. So she goes and then the um, poison witch is there. Turns out she is the crone. There is the, um, the maiden, the mother, and the crone are, like, the three, like, kind of goddesses for the witches And basically, she's like, if you can carve Wrath's true name in here, you can, like, know if that's him, blah, blah, blah. So, she ends up saying, so, in the first book, when she first meets Pride, she calls him Samuel, which is, like, or Samuel. I don't know, Samuel, but not with a U, with an A, which is, like, the devil's name. So, we end up finding out that that's the name she carved into it. And when she breaks it in front of Wrath, she finds out that he is actually the devil. So. i guess i skipped ahead at the feast we learn that he's the king technically and then here we learn that he's actually the literal devil the one that fell and then the others followed so it makes a lot more sense why envy is like very mad at him and all this other stuff and why he would be the king and so then they have like a really tense conversation she runs out into the sin quarter because that's where she realizes she can find the seven sisters one of the other skulls talked about like Seven above, seven below. The seven above are these seven sisters. So she finds this triple moon mirror in the key in wrath study. And everybody's like, don't do this. You will learn something you don't want to learn. What she learns when she looks in the mirror is that Victoria, her twin, is alive. And she was the one who was manipulating Antonio in the first book. And... So she's, like, shocked, like, what is going on. She runs back to the dungeon. Antonio and Vittoria are gone. And Vittoria, like, left a note basically saying, meet me at this aisle tomorrow and we will break our curse and talk about everything. But, like, Vittoria might be evil, question mark. We don't know what's going on, but she's shady. I do not trust her. And then Wrath ends up finding her. And they talk and she decides, I do want to marry you. I want to stand by you. And at the end of the book, she says, take me to bed, husband. And then that's how the book ends. So let's get into the discussion section. Let's first talk about the two ways in which I was bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray and flat out deceived or however the heck that saying goes. I've got it messed up now. I'm too far out of college to remember. But two things. First, the one we already talked about, the genre swap. I was shocked. So... I literally, a huge part of my first episode is how I loved the first book because it was everything that I wanted in a YA fantasy. So I was just so shocked to get to the second book and it no longer be YA. I think it's now maybe classified as new adults. So NA, but I don't think anybody really uses NA because you think about like not available or not applicable. But anyways, so I was shocked. I'm not mad about it but it's very different i think it's interesting that the first book would be like very much appropriate for like a 12 or 13 year old to read and the second book very much not be appropriate for a 12 or 13 year old to read because like obviously i'm not reading it as a middle schooler but i was reading a lot of ya fantasy when i was in late middle school early high school And this book would have been shelved with those other ones that I was picking up. So I totally would have read the first one, wanted the second one, and then been a little shocked. She talks about in the acknowledgements, the author talks about how she, she thanks like her editor, her um, agent or somebody for supporting her and kind of like the romance plot line. And I'm totally not mad about it because I'm older. I love a romance plot line in fantasy. And in just general, you guys know I love my romance novels. But it was, like, not going to lie, very, very shocking and that it was not the same. And I think this one, when it came out, was marketed as also being YA. So I just think it's interesting that there would be such a huge difference from the first and the second book in age appropriateness, basically. Like, I don't think this book is inappropriate, but I think if you're, like, 12, you probably shouldn't read this because it's pretty explicit and, I mean, I don't know about everybody else out there, but I remember once in middle school going to the library and picking out this book, and then there was, like, sex in it. And it was also kind of a dark book. I don't know what it was called, but it was something about this genie. It low-key traumatized me. Like, not really, but, like, a little bit. So, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I was definitely hoodwinked, but I'm not mad about it as an older reader. Like, that, this was fun for me. The second thing that I'm extremely happy that I was um, flat out deceived about, that I was bamboozled, was that there was no love triangle. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Because y'all know I hate a love triangle. If you don't, you must be new. But I don't like a love triangle. At the end of the first episode, I talked about how I was very hesitant to go into the second book because I really thought, and the way that, like, the um, summary on the side, it talks about how she's, like, Pull one sister, two sinful princes. Like, it sounds like it's going to be a love triangle. That Pride's going to show up. And, like, I don't know. I thought maybe that she wouldn't be attracted to Pride, but she was going to marry him anyways in order to, like, get the secrets and to close the gates and all this other stuff. But I was so thankful when it was revealed that she was actually just still engaged to Wrath. Obviously, Wrath was never, ever letting her... Mary pride like he wouldn't have allowed it because he is into her but I was nervous I don't like a love triangle I was very nervous that a lot of the plot of the second book was going to be her trying to figure out which one she should be with and there was a little bit of her being like yeah like I'm really attracted to wrath and like they get along when they're not fighting and stuff like that but I need pride in order to figure out these secrets and stuff like that um, that's another plot point I didn't talk about. This curse that is put upon everybody does not allow them to talk about certain things. So that is why Wrath had to be very silent when she was signing the thing in cold and distant and stuff like that in the first book. And that's why when she's like trying to figure out stuff here in the second book, he can't respond to her and she's just like gets frustrated. He's like not allowed to. So we'll figure all this stuff out here in the third book because it's the final one and it comes out at the end of September. By the time you're hearing this episode, I think it would have already come out. But I read this book at the beginning of September, recording mid-September. And so I can't wait to get the book in just two or maybe three weeks and read it and see how it all ends. But I was really happy that there was no love triangle and so I think literally I was so nervous the first 150 pages before it's revealed that she's still engaged to Wrath. And so I think that when I eventually reread this series, because I think I probably will unless the third book is absolute trash, I think that I will enjoy the second book a lot more and be able to pay more attention to what's going on. I also think this series as a whole, I talked about this a little bit in the plot summary, there's a lot of plot, and yet there's kind of no plot, and I'm a little confused when I'm reading it, and I forget about things that happened earlier that are, like, obviously left there as a breadcrumb for us to, like, connect to later, but I'm, it's, it's, I'm not gonna say it's no plot, all vibes, like, the book that I'll be talking about in the next episode is, but um there's definitely, it's not, while there's a plot, it's not, like, a, fan- a typical fantasy plot and that it's really plot driven. There's a lot of other stuff going on in this book, specifically lots of romance. And I guess that t- brings me a little bit to this idea of this book being a bridge book. So there's this thing called second book syndrome, which is typically related to trilogies, although it could be for series that are longer than three books. But there's this idea that there's a lot of second books and trilogies that exist solely just to put everybody in place for the third book. And they're never, and it's not a good book. Like if you say something has second book syndrome, it means that's a bad book, not enjoyable, kind of boring. And it's not doing anything, right? That's basically the idea. So I would not say this book falls into second book syndrome. However, I do think it's a bridge book. And that in this book, we're basically learning all about what hell looks like. We're learning a whole new world and things like that. And we're also getting a lot of things set up for, I think, what's going to happen in the third book. So it's similar in that way, but I, like, liked it. And the idea behind second book syndrome is that you don't like the book because nothing interesting is happening. Do I think the third book will be better than the second book? Yes. I think the first and third will, I will prefer over the second one. However, I didn't dislike this book. I'm still excited and want to finish the series and things like that. So... But I the thing is that like I've been talking about the first and the second book felt very different. I think part of that is that there's the genre switch in kind of age level from YA to new adult, and with that comes the romance. And it's not like there wasn't a romance plot line going on in the first book, but there was. But I think I'm talking more about like sexy smutty scenes basically being introduced here in the second one. When if you read the first book, you wouldn't actually think you were going to get to that. And if you were, it was going to be more closed door, fade to black, or less descriptive than it ended up being here in this book. So the two books felt very different. I will say that the characters were consistent in that Amelia still felt like Amelia from the first book. Wrath felt like Wrath from the first book. And then we're introduced mostly to a lot of new characters because a lot of the characters from the first book um, still live on Earth. They're not in hell, you know, like her family and stuff like that. So, yeah, there was a little bit of that bridge book stuff going on. Next, I want to talk a little bit about Victoria. So, I think I mentioned this in the first episode. I can't remember, but when I finished that first book, I thought Victoria might be dead, but I think maybe we're still going to see her. So, I want to first preface this by saying that I did not predict that she would be 100% alive, but I thought because we were going to hell and there's this there was a prophecy in the first book talking about one sister above one sister below that I thought well maybe Victoria's spirit is going to show up in the second or third book whether she be a spirit in hell or she'd be a spirit in heaven basically and Amelia is able to talk with her that way so I kind of saw that she was not absolutely going to be gone and I think that really makes sense when you think about the first book like You really get to know Vittoria in those 50, 60 pages before she dies. Instead of the book just starting off with her dead, she has a personality. And the driving force and factor behind all this plot is that she dies. Amelia would have never summoned a demon. She would have never um, tapped into her wrath and her anger or her rage or anything like that if her sister hadn't died. At the beginning of the first book, she is perfectly happy being more of a green witch of just using her magic and the food she creates and working at her family restaurant. She's perfectly happy with that life. She wears flowers in her hair and she's just here having a good time and whatever. And here in the second book, she has definitely let the anger get to her and it is her motivation to avenge her sister's death, basically. And we have her braiding some bones into her hair instead of just flowers and things like that. So you're seeing kind of that switch in her. So I'm not that. So what I will say is that I'm not shocked Victoria made an appearance. I am shocked, however, that she is bad. In the first book, she's characterized as the more rebellious sister. And it's like, kind of interesting, because you hear that she has made this deal with greed and with the shapeshifters and things like that. So she was obviously involved in things. So thinking back on it, it kind of makes sense that she would potentially be kind of Maybe evil, but the way that everything played out, it's just kind of shocking. I can't wait to get to this third book and see if her sister is truly evil, if she's kind of that misguided villain who thinks they're doing right, but they're actually not, or if, I don't know, I'm really intrigued to see what's going on, so I'm shocked that she's alive and now is going to be the antagonist for the third book, but I'm not shocked that she's remade an appearance, so I'm very interested to see what will happen. And I think I also want to talk about how Amelia, like if I was Amelia, I would be so pissed that my sister was alive and I've literally, like, think about all the changes in Amelia over these two books. I've kind of mentioned them already. Like, she sold her soul to a demon. She's going to marry one of the prince of hell, the devil. She has dabbled in not a lot of dark arts, really, compared to some other people, but she summoned a demon She, like, not forsake her family, but she left her family behind, did all this stuff, and you just to find out that your sister's actually been alive the whole time and manipulating you, oh my god, that's a lot, that's heavy, that is heavy, everybody, and I would be unhappy with my sister if I found all of that out. I talked about in the first episode how I don't think I would go this far to avenge my sister's murder, But imagine if I did just to find out she lied to me. Mm. I would not be happy about that. So as we're nearing the end of our time, I want to talk a little bit about third book predictions because I think I've kind of covered a lot of these other things. Wait, there was one other thing I want to talk about. I didn't write it down on here. Let me talk about the Bible, everybody. So basically, my question is, where is the section about the devil in the Bible? This sounds really weird, but basically like Amelia ends up figuring out wrath's true name, which is something that was foreshadowed in the first book. And that Samuel or Samuel, or however the heck you say that. And he's the fallen angel, the one that like sinned all this different stuff. And so I guess my question is that Amelia knows that because of like the church's teachings and the idea behind the church's teachings are they're supposed to be rooted in the Bible. She's obviously Catholic because she's from like 19th, 18th century, 19th century Italy, which was Catholic at the time and still really is. And so my question is, where is that in the Bible? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the most religious person in the world, but I was raised Catholic, kind of, but we didn't really go to church. We were priesters, you know, Christmas Easter growers. I've read sections of the Bible, you know, done some... Youth group, some Bible—not I haven't done Bible study. What am I saying? Some vacation Bible school. Obviously, at, at vacation Bible school, you're not talking about the devil. But my question is, where is this stuff about the devil in the Bible? Because I've never run across it in my time on Earth. But yet, I know about the devil, and I kind of know the story of the fallen angels and Lucifer and like all this different stuff. By the way, I'm pretty sure Lucifer is pride, but I don't really remember. But like maybe he is. But anyways. Where is this stuff in the Bible? I don't know. Did somebody, like, I feel like it must be in there and somebody didn't just make it up and make it canon, but I don't, I don't know. And I just sat there and I was like, this is just accepted, but where is this? I don't know, everybody. Not really sure. Not going to look it up, but just wanted you to also wonder with me. Unless you know, if you know, let me know. Finally, third book predictions. So I'm pretty sure... Here's the question. Do Rath and Amelia consummate their marriage immediately in this first slash second chapter of the next book? Because the way the second book ends, it's setting it up for that to happen. I think that they probably should for the plot-wise because if Wrath can consummate his marriage with Amelia, he will become more powerful. If he's more powerful, that it's going to be helpful for them to defeat Vittoria and whatever her evil plan is. My guess is she's trying to... Either eradicate all of the demon princes or in demons in hell in general, or she wants to take over it, or something like that. A little unclear, but I'm guessing it's probably something along those lines. During Amelia's time in hell in the second book, she realizes that, like, yes, things are bad, but they run it efficiently. I don't know if that makes sense. Whatever. Let's just pretend I didn't say that. But so I think that's gonna happen. I think that the shapeshifters and greed are gonna show up aligned with Amelia. Pride, uh, wait, not pride. Why am I keep saying pride? Wrath and Amelia are gonna kind of form the second side. Maybe envy will align with them. So maybe some of the others will. A little unclear. There's gonna be an issue with Amelia not having her magic. Mm, I think this like weird lady, this crying lady who's trapped under the earth, is gonna come into play it somehow. And we're definitely going to figure out what this whole curse and prophecy is and Amelia will regain her memories. I think at the end she will be married to Wrath. They will be the king and queen of hell and I think she will probably stay there. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of like thing where she like ends up back on earth and then he comes to get her. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I haven't looked up the plot summary or just description back book description anything for that book probably going to go in mostly blind but I cannot wait and I'm super super excited so with that let's move here into the wrap-up section so please 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 rate review and subscribe to my podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify and anywhere else you listen to if possible it will help other people find my podcast and I would love you forever and if you give me a review I will shout you out so that's fun also, please um, subscribe to subscribe. Please follow my Instagram at I Read a book once blog. While you're there, you can DM me your thoughts, feelings, opinions, questions, concerns, anything you like on this episode, this book, or this podcast. If you don't like Instagram, like me, then you can email me at I Read a book once blog at gmail.com and we can chat about this book that way too. If you have suggestions, um, questions, concerns, anything like that, let's just chat it out. And finally, the episode for next week is going to be on Other Birds by Sarah Addison Allen, which is kind of like a speculative fiction book. I don't know. I'll look up what the actual genre is about this girl who moves into an apartment on this island that her mom left her after she passed away. And there are ghosts and she becomes friends with her neighbors. And that's pretty much the entire plot of the book. So we'll get into that next week. It was fun. I did enjoy it. And with that, my name is Emma, this was I Read a Book Once, and I'll catch you guys next time.